You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. FakeTeams.com, the fantasy sports arm of SB Nation. I was going to be joined by Brian Cray tonight, but Brian is battling some technical difficulties. And honestly, it's the summertime for me, and I just kind of want to talk about baseball. So I'm going to do the solo thing again. And you guys are going to hope and pray that Brian makes it back sometime soon this week. So some changes coming in the pod. Probably going to be stepping up our game a little bit here. I am going to look to formally turn over hosting duties to Brian and allow myself to edit and maybe write some more and guest star, but let him do the, uh, Handle handle the meat of the day-to-day grind with the podcast. So that's coming. Brian's a lot more interesting sounding than I am. Everybody should be excited about that. I know I am. That way we have some continuity and uh, you guys get some content on a different platform. And I get less responsibility, which is awesome. So tonight, since he uh, is struggling with the technology... I'm going to try not to talk about what he wanted to talk about and just this is going to be a Heath-centric affair. So that is going to be interesting. So you guys can buckle up and, I don't know, enjoy the ride. So off the top, I was going to talk about how awesome we are here because Brian and myself and Eddie Almaguer, who is actually now with BP, um, when we first drafted for the great fantasy baseball invitational fake team sent three writers, us three. And, uh, basically we're awesome. Eddie is number one overall right now. And myself, I have crept up to number nine overall. And Brian Cray is sitting pretty at number 11 overall. And Brian and I kind of keep like alternating going back and forth every day. So Man, I just want to talk about like we're like the we're like Great Britain of uh, fantasy sports sites, like the small but awesome uh, site that could uh, even smaller now since Eddie is uh, next door at BP. He's going to come back. We're going to we're going to bring him back and we need to have another fantasy baseball invitational centric podcast where we talk about how awesome we are. So that's coming. Just just wait for it. So anyway, uh, when Brian's back this week, we will unpack our our teams a little bit. I know uh, Suarez for the Reds has been like my money pick, and uh, 
Trine and the closer for the athletics. Those two guys have been fantastic. Um, other than that, I got, I won't say lucky, but I definitely hit on some cheap pitching in uh, Nick Pavetta, Vincent Velasquez. I picked up Sean Newcomb when somebody dropped him after like his rough first start. So, and I winged a trade for the Fernando Rodney closing experience because I all but punted saves on, on draft day. So that's actually been a really good move. Rodney's a pretty underrated dude. So um, it's fun times. I'm actually leading League 10. It's pretty exciting. Um, hopefully Brian and Eddie and I can reprise that first podcast and give a shout out to Justin Mason and how awesome that league has been and go from there. Um, speaking of awesome, large fantasy leagues, uh, your boy snuck into the Scott Fish Bowl this year. So if anybody is playing in that or trying to play in that, make sure you find me on Twitter and talk a bunch of trash. Um, my team is going to be better than yours. Just saying. Very excited. If you don't know what Scott Fish has done with that, you should definitely Google Scott Fish Bowl and find a way to support Toys for Tots, buy a T-shirt, donate, do, do some good things. Uh, very awesome to see the community and how they uh, do that every year, how much money we raise. It's very, very cool. Also very fun to draft with tons of people and talk about it on Twitter for however long your slow draft takes. Hopefully uh, not that long because I think I'm driving to Colorado during mine. So anyway, uh, all right, cool. We were going to blow our own horns. I think I did that. After that, uh, I wanted to talk about Basically, Giancarlo Stanton's first Yankee moment came this week. In case you missed it, on Wednesday, the Yankees got into a 5-0 hole against the Mariners. Um, Gary Sanchez hit a home run in the eighth inning. Uh, Colomay left a 91-mile-per-hour fastball. It just kind of like hung up in the zone, and he just demolished it. Um, so that was in the eighth inning. And then Stanton had a walk-off home run in the ninth inning. So, I mean, all the major outlets are calling it his first Yankee moment, you know, definitely his most memorable moment thus far. Um, what it, what I took from that game, and then the next day I got to watch most of the the Red Sox game where they, they ended up, I think it, they were down 4 nothing after the first Um Homeboy Stephen Wright ended up giving up 10 runs and got off the hook because the Red Sox came back and won 14 to 10. And it was two days after the Yankees had come back from a 5 nothing deficit. And uh, it just made me think about how many teams in the major leagues are there where no lead feels safe. And you definitely feel that way with how hard the Yankees hit the ball. I was reading on MLB.com. As far as uh, New York and hits that are over 110 miles per hour, the Yankees had 74 of those as of Wednesday. Uh, 74 hits that are 110 miles per hour or greater. And the second place team in the majors only has 40. So there's a sizable gap between second place team and the Yankees. Second place team is the White Sox, by the way, who are terrible. So... Just because you hit the ball hard doesn't mean you're going to be a good team, but it helps. Um, and then we're talking about 
Red Sox as well. I know if you if you pull up the Statcast leaderboard, it's been about four or five days since I did. But Betts and JD Martinez have been one and two in that for as long as I can remember this season. So, I mean, they have a pair of guys that can barrel the ball. Mitch Moreland is an underrated uh, guy when it comes to to barrels as well. He's had a heck of a season. Uh, I'll talk about him in a few minutes. But anyway, both of those teams can hit the ball really hard. They both have very powerful lineups. Um, and when I was watching the the Red Sox complete the comeback, I just I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think they're out of it. Like at no point did I think that the game was out of reach. And it's one of the things JD Martinez said post game when he was in between innings, talking to the rest of the outfield, they were down by five, and he's basically still saying, like, you know, we got this. Like, it's not it's not too far away. And uh, Stanton said the same thing Wednesday, where the direct quote, I wrote it down, was, we wear pitchers down, man. And it, it just illuminates that mentality where with those teams and I, I would probably put the Astros in there as well with all that offensive firepower. Um, other than those three, I was, I floated it to Brian. I don't know that I feel that way about any other teams. Um, I mean, if you take a cursory glance at the rest of the teams with, with very good records, um, I mean, do you really feel that way about the Indians? Cause their hitting has been so just kind of weird all year. Um, the Dodgers have been hot, but after the super cold start, I just, I don't know if I would feel that way about the Dodgers. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I'm saying right now, I don't, I don't really feel that way about the Mariners. Um, anyway, I mean, th- those are just a few teams to kind of float out there. I don't, the Cubs, same, same deal. I kind of feel similarly about them as I do about the Indians. Uh, not, don't feel overly strong about that offense, uh, which sounds weird. I know the the corner bats are scary, but you know Rizzo was ice cold this year, and he's he's positively regressing. But uh, you know, even like Baez has a lot of swing and miss, and yeah, he's a power speed dude, and and I get it. But you just I don't know. I mean, I put it Boston Yankees and and Astros where almost no matter how big the deficit was, I don't think I'd be, I wouldn't be locking it. I mean, you'd be stupid to do that anyway as a professional athlete, but really with those three teams, I mean, it. I don't know. Friday night, I was just thinking about that after watching Stanton's home run and, and watching the Red Sox complete the comeback. Um, those three teams are just loaded. Hopefully the Yankees can swing a deal for a starting pitcher um, before the trade deadline. Um, I'd imagine the Sox might chase a reliever, but, you know, no matter what, those three teams are going to compete. So, anyway, those are my thoughts. Uh, big moment for uh, Stanton on Wednesday. Uh, he's a guy I kind of feel like has underwhelmed, probably because I said he would, you know, hit 70 home runs this year. Bold prediction. Um, and it feels like he's just kind of stumbled most of the year, and he's still sitting on 18 home runs, at least as of uh, – a day ago. I didn't uh, check his score. I didn't check today. Today I was kind of off the grid. So if anything crazy happened, uh, please uh, yell at me in the comments or uh, something. Hit me up on Twitter. So, uh, all right. 
moving on. I guess, it, I mean, it wouldn't be me if I didn't give a Braves update. If you don't know me, I'm a Braves fan. Um, Haji and I, early on this year, I believe on the very first podcast, we talked about his Brewers and my Braves. And I remember saying that I hoped that my Braves had the kind of year this year that his Brewers did last year, where we would kind of have this upstart, like, you know, surprise contender type of a season. And then the year after this one, maybe we, you know, really be looking at contending. And lo and behold, here we are, two games ahead of the Nationals. Uh, and that was before tonight's game. And I haven't pulled that score up. So, but anyway, small lead against the Nationals. Um, you know, young pitching, hard not to really like with Newcomb and Fultonevich. I know Soroka just hit the DL, but we get Fulty back on Monday. So, obviously, you don't want anybody to be hurt, but. You know, it kind of works out in fantasy baseball sometimes where you get a guy hurt and then you have a guy coming off the DL. That's the Braves have the real life version of that since Fulte is going to start tomorrow. But uh, at least with Soroka, that sounds like not a major deal. It sounds like a rest thing with his shoulder. Um, it's kind of scary to hear, but it, he didn't sound overly concerned when he talked about it post game. It just sounds like some inflammation, soreness, kind of like nagging injury thing that sounds like he just needs to kind of chill out for a little while. So hopefully that is not a long-term thing. But even if it is, you know, young pitching has been doing very well. Offense has overachieved, uh, especially if you look at what Marquecas has been able to contribute and the unheralded Braves catchers have also been raking. And Ronald Acuna is probably coming off the DL next week. That'll be a big shot in the arm, uh, if for nothing else, than with his speed. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, Braves update for me is hopefully before the deadline, we don't do anything crazy. I don't think I'd want to sell major pieces to try to contend this year. And I'm not saying I don't – I'm not saying I want to lose. I'm saying – I would rather do a smaller, smallish kind of trade or two for a reliever or a bench bat. Maybe we get a sweet deal on a starter, but uh, I don't want to mortgage the farm and you know go that route right now. I'd rather keep the young guys, keep the window of uh, opportunity to compete, you know, longer, uh, and just enjoy the year and see what we can do from here on out. I mean, it, there's guys we can call on right now in the minors. Uh, we haven't even talked about Allard coming up. So, I mean, it, I'm feeling pretty good as a Braves fan. So, there you go. Awesome. All right. I'm probably – I don't know if Brian's going to like this or not, but every podcast that I'm a member of, I think I need to have a Mitch Moreland versus Eric Hosmer uh, update, you know, battle royale, whatever you want to call it. Um, I went to high school with Mitch. We were a few years apart. I was a senior when he was a freshman and I didn't, by that time I had given up baseball for soccer. So I was a senior. He was a, he was a tall, lanky, skinny kid uh, that was, you know, JV soccer player. You know, I ran circles around him. Honestly, I'm awesome. Not really. Uh, I was a small, fast guy. So that's, you know, that's what soccer is. I mean, Messi's five foot seven. Um, 
we can't all be Ronaldo. So anyway, uh, you know, Mitch was a tall, lanky kid. Um, obviously he found his calling with baseball. So when somebody's from your same hometown, even if you're good buddies or not, uh, which he and I were not super close. Like I said, we, we had the age difference, but, uh, you root for that guy when, when somebody's from your hometown, at least I do. Um, so I've put out, you know, a Moreland article or two every year for the past few years. And uh, this year I was a little fired up, honestly, with all the Eric Hosmer, like people hating on the Red Sox re-signing Moreland for two years instead of chasing Hosmer. And basically my argument was like these two guys are not that far apart. Uh, yeah, Hosmer's younger and a little quicker, probably a lot quicker, honestly. But he's also – a ground ball specialist, um, you know, and in Mitch, I feel like I have slowly seen a guy that has matured. Um, plus I feel like the mental side doesn't get talked about enough where he signed that two year deal. I think it was worth right around, uh, maybe 9 million, nine and a half million, something like that. Nothing crazy, but for uh, small town Mississippi boy, you know, he's, he's set, man. Like that, that kid, you know, shouldn't need anything. I assume he's been very smart with his money. Um, and it, honestly going into this season with Hanley healthy, he just probably had expectations of like, I'm going to show up and, you know, when my number is called play good defense and try to get some timely hits, but probably wasn't even thinking he was going to get the lion's share of at bats. And lo and behold, Hanley is no more. And Mitch has just continued to rake. So I love it. And it, I'm going to throw the numbers out just in case uh, people are skeptical of the great Eric Hosmer. So we'll, we'll talk about Mitch and then go highs and then Mitch highs, Mitch highs. That's how we're going to go. So Mitch, 34 runs, Hosmer, 35 runs. Mitch, 10 home runs, Hosmer has nine. Uh, Mitch has 37 RBIs, Hosmer has 35. Mitch has one stolen base. Hosmer has three. And that's the one place where I will concede and say Hosmer will always win that battle from here until the end of time. Um, Mitch, 300 batting average. Hosmer, 275 batting average. So currently, and this was going into Sunday's games, Mitch was the number 13 first baseman in the Yahoo game. Hosmer was the number 18 first baseman. And those numbers are super tight. You know, one run, one homer, two RBIs, two stolen bases. Uh, Mitch is busting him up by 25 points in batting average. The big massive difference is you got to listen. Uh, Hosmer has done it in 91 more at-bats than Mitch. So going into Sunday, Hosmer had 291 at-bats. Mitch had 200. And that's how close all of their statistics are. So, And that was with Mitch starting out part-time early in the year. So, you know, if I'm looking under the hood with Moreland, his average is going to come down. He's got a 350 Babbitt right now, which would obliterate his career high of 317. And he's, he's doing that all on, on hitting the ball hard. Like Mitch is not fleet of foot. He's a big dude. So, you know, because he is scalding the ball, uh, you know, 40 and a half hard contact rate, uh, super healthy line drive rate, which is right around 23%. So, you know, over 40% hard, 23% hard or line drive rate. Like, 
you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the Babbitt is a career high mark, but I don't know if he'd stay at 350. But so instead of a 300 average, maybe he's going to come down to, to 280, you know, something like that, which would be very tolerable, I think, given his numbers and that team context. And he's, uh, he's over 10% in the walk rate right now, which is also a career high. Uh, it just, I mean, it looks like a career year for Moreland, and uh, I'm bummed out. I drafted drafted him in the uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and I had to cut him for somebody that was actually getting at bats. And then once he started getting his at bats, I, I missed out on the uh, on the waiver claim. So pretty bummed, but uh, I'm not going to be able to be on brand in uh in that league this year at least not this year so anyway um the other thing i noticed with mitch he's he's pulling the ball at the highest rate of his career he's a he's a share a shade over 45 percent in pull rate um his first strike percentage is really low so like the mlb average is uh 60.4 uh, pitchers are throwing first strikes to Mitch only 54% of the time. So maybe it's trying to get him to chase, but his uh, out-of-zone swing rate is better than average. The MLB average is, uh, what is it? It's right around 30%. I think it's like 30.3. And Mitch's chase rate is like 28.6. So people aren't throwing in first pitch strikes, but uh, he's not chasing. Um making lots of contact in the zone, hitting the ball really hard, you know, great team context. I don't know. I don't know what else people want. So if you go to my Twitter profile at Heath caps, you can see the bold prediction of Mitch Moreland will outproduce Eric Hosmer. It's pinned on my profile. It's definitely coming true. Just wanted to throw it out there. Uh, moving on, a few more news things, uh, injury updates. Sounds like uh, Noah Syndergaard may be coming back soon-ish. He threw off the mound today, actually, on Sunday. So if you listen to this on Monday morning, uh, Thor threw yesterday off the mound. I think it was only 15 pitches, but he should move into a bullpen session maybe Wednesday or Tuesday, I think, and then uh, – maybe live bats on Friday if everything goes well. So, you know, not this week, maybe looking at next week or so uh, for Thor. Or maybe the Mets trade him. Uh, I got to be honest, I'm not a Mets fan, so I'm not invested. So I can maybe be a little free and easy, but I would trade Syndergaard for a King's Ransom right now before he comes off the DL uh, or right when he does, uh, before he makes another start before he gets hurt again, basically. Um, keep DeGrom because he's proven that he is durable. Obviously, you keep Brandon Nimmo because he's the greatest thing ever, um, and I'm a Braves fan, and I love Nimmo. Please come play right field whenever we lose Marquecas. I know it's not going to happen. I'm just I'm dreaming. Anyway, I'm serious, though. I would trade Syndergaard. You know, I don't take – whatever team you're talking about, get all their top 20 prospects and just be loaded for bear. If you're the Mets organization, you can keep DeGrom, you can keep Wheeler, keep Nemo. Hopefully, uh, Yoannis can finally get healthy sometime, maybe a month after the all-star break at this rate is what it feels like. No, I'm not bitter. Yes, he is on my 
great fantasy baseball invitational team. Anyway, um, I'm serious. So let me know what you guys think. Would you trade Syndergaard or would you not? I would trade the fire out of him before he made another start. So there's some injury news. Hopefully Thor comes back soon enough if, you, uh, if you've been stashing him. Uh, Acuna I brought up briefly. I did see where his uh, rehab stint is not results-based, meaning he could go 0 for 5 two or three nights in a row, but they don't care about that. Um, sounds like he's not going to get called up Monday, but he's running the bases really well. He looks healthy. It wouldn't surprise me if he's called up very early this week. Sounds like maybe not tomorrow, though. But anyway, main thing was it's not results-based. They just want to know that he's healthy, and as soon as he's healthy, he's going to be up again. So no more uh, playing around with, like, show us you're ready for the big leagues garbage with Acuna. So if you have him, hopefully you get to activate him this week. And uh, good stuff. I don't know if there's any other major injury stuff. Uh, you Darvish, I guess. That's not somebody I invested in this year. Um, I remember he was right around that like Chris Archer range in like the fifth and sixth round. And I was one of those people that just waited and took Aaron Nola a round or two later. I uh, also bought in a little earlier in like the Carlos Carrasco tier. So anyway, I didn't really own him, but if you do, um, he threw a simulated game on Wednesday. Sounds like he threw BP on Friday. So hopefully not this week, maybe the next you're looking at getting Darvish back. Um, who knows how that goes? Honestly, that's one of the reasons I didn't buy in. So I know he's got like 85 billion pitches he can throw, but got to see the results, man. So anyway, I don't have Darvish, but if you're desperate, he's coming back soon. Um, Let's see. What did I want to talk about? I know. We got to talk about Jerickson Profar versus Rugi Odor out in Texas. Um, in case you didn't know, Odor is finally healthy. Uh, meanwhile, Profar has probably been the best hitter for the Rangers. Um, I guess maybe you could make a case for, I don't know, man. I don't think I can. I think, I think I'm going to give it to Profar anyway. So now, now there's a bit of a log jam because Odor is healthy and mainly because he has a $50 million contract. So Basically, it looks like the Rangers are kind of rotating with Profar, Odor, Adrian Beltre, and uh, Ronald Guzman. And pretty much it sounds like he's going to play three out of every four days. I'm talking about Profar. And it's very frustrating because he's the better player. He should play every day. And that's just the way it is. So, uh, no, I'm not bitter. Yes, he is a member of my great fantasy baseball invitational team. Um, Anyway, I mean, my point is with Profar, I wish he was playing every day, but sounds like he's going to play three out of every four days. Maybe he's going to play five games per week that I think you have to continue to hold, and especially in daily leagues where you can manage it. I'm going to hold on to him if I've been using him, and hopefully, I don't want to hope for an injury, but since Profar can play second, third, left field, DH, I mean, all it takes is one little tweak from somebody, and then he's back in the lineup every day. Um, 
So for now, I'm going to hold Profar and just made sure, wanted to make sure I threw that out there. Um, initially, I was a little scared off, but sounds like they really want Profar to continue to get at bats. So anyway, uh, there's kind of a, a mess of part-time or semi-part-time, like mostly full-time players right now that a lot of people have been leaning on, like Muncie out in Los Angeles and Aguilar, Jesus Aguilar with the Brewers, kind of maybe some owners are a little sketched out with Eric Timms coming back. Um, even Brandon Nimmo, like whenever Yo Ennis comes back. But, um, and I, I would probably throw in uh, Hernandez, the place for the Blue Jays, the big outfielder, now that Randall Gritchick is back and actually hitting the ball. But with all these guys, I feel like the talent level warrants continuing to play them and the talent level warrants their actual teams continuing to play them. I mean, there's nobody else I can see that's going to lead off for the Mets, uh, even when Suspedes is back. And then if they do happen to sell some of the veterans, like if they sell Cabrera, uh, which they should, or trade for whatever they can get back, um, you know, I mean, I just, I don't know who else is going to lead off for them. Like, I don't know how you are a contending team and you can afford to sit guys that have been your best hitter. And if you're talking about Aguilar, Profar, Muncie, Nemo, those those guys, like, they've been bringing the wood. So I'm holding all of them right now. Um, Hernandez for the Blue Jays is not somebody that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Uh, he's he's another dude that hits the ball really hard if you – if you go play around on Statcast and uh, look up barrels per plate appearance, he's he's way up there. Um, I think he was top three the last time I checked. Um, honestly, his his slight competition, Randall Grichuk, also uh, can put the bat on the ball as well. It's just a question of like how often is the bat actually going to touch the ball? But when it does, he can hit it really hard. So those two guys are actually really similar to me. Um, if I'm the Blue Jays, I kind of feel like they're both going to play a whole lot, maybe take some at-bats away from Curtis Granderson, especially against left-handed pitchers. Um, you definitely should get Gritchick in there while he's hot. But uh, I'm holding all those guys. I just wanted to kind of bring up that's one little one little trend that's been going on lately uh, with some guys getting healthy um, or the fear of getting healthy, like Yoannis coming back in New York and, messing things up for Nemo. Hopefully the Mets don't do that to us because they have not a whole lot to be excited about right now. So hopefully they don't take that away from their fans or from fantasy baseball players at large. So I hope somebody in the Mets organization is listening right now. Please, God, do not take Brandon Nemo away from us. Don't take the smile away from us, okay? Um, on the Nemo note real fast, yes, I'm a believer uh, I think anytime you see a big change in a player, you like to be able to point to something uh, that lets you know why something's different. So this year, the power is there with Nemo, and we've not seen that on this level before. And the main thing is a swing change. Um, if you Google it, just Google Brandon Nemo swing change. It'll pop up. He did a he did an interview. I can't remember which writer or who, who the reporter was, but he basically was talking. It's a couple minutes long. He just talked about um, his previous swing and 
some of the action that uh, taking a long stride was kind of putting him off center, like pointing his body towards like left center. Um, you know, and as a result, he was losing some of his power. So he, he basically worked on losing the stride and being able to get his hips through and uh, simplifying the swing, if you will. I think his phrase was uh, he tried to cut some of the fat out of his swing. So he just simplified it, focused on like getting his hips through, using his uh, – and just have, being able to use more of his power. And, uh, you know, obviously it shows this year. So he's, he's got a healthy walk rate. I know he's in double digits. The strikeout rate is not really what you love to see from a leadoff man, but but like I said, the Mets are not drowning in leadoff options. And uh, worst case, he's hitting in the two-hole, but I, I don't know who he would bat behind, you know? So I love me some Nimmo, and I hope that they don't take him away. Um, all right. Uh, one other thing Brian and I talked about briefly uh, before – he had technical difficulties was Shane Bieber. Uh, hopefully people are not using a terrible nickname for him that has to do with a really crappy recording artist. But if they are, all of those people should go die in a hole or something. I don't, I don't know why we have to make everything lame, honestly. Uh, anyway, Bieber has three turns right now, three starts under his belt. He's carrying a 2.45 ERA. Uh, the whip is a little high at 1.36, mainly because the the BABIP right now is high. He's ve- very unlucky, over 400 BABIP right now. Uh, so that whip's probably going to come down. And the uh, biggest thing that jumps out right away is 22 strikeouts against only three walks. And I, I was a little unfamiliar with him, so I went and just kind of dug a little bit. Um, Mainly, this guy has been known for his control for a long time. Um, in the in the majors right now, he's got a 4% walk rate. Again, a three-game sample, not very large. In AAA this year, he had a 3.1% walk rate. Uh, and then in AA this year, both of which were decent sample sizes, maybe 45 games at AAA, 30-something games at AA. At AA, he had a 0.8% walk rate, so... And he's never been above like 5% in his entire minor league career. So he's marrying that with like a 24 to 25% strikeout rate in the minor leagues. Currently in the MLB, again, three-game sample, but he's got a 29% strikeout rate, ground ball rate of 51%. Um, The K rate is backed up by like a 12% swing and strike rate. If you don't know the average uh, right now in MLB, it's like 10.6. So he's at a really healthy 12%. So basically, like he keeps the ball on the ground. He gets a lot of swings and misses. He strikes people out. He doesn't issue free passes. And he pitches for a really good Cleveland Indians team. I don't know what else you would need to look for in a waiver wire pitcher ad right now. Actually, I held on in one league where pitching was scarce. I was forced to hold on to Joey Lucchese of the Padres. If you didn't own him, you probably forgot that he existed. Um, Anyway, I was kind of forced to hold on to him. And then almost as soon as he comes off the DL, I was able to add Bieber. So sorry, Lucchese, I had to cut you. Uh, I hope you, you know, get the chair working again. But uh, anyway... 
Lucchese's a guy with only two pitches. Uh, what sets Bieber apart is that he has a four-pitch mix that he is obviously able to locate. He's not an overpowering dude. Uh, he's averaging like 92.8 miles per hour on his fastball. So, you know, he's not going to blow you away. We're talking more more Greg Maddox than we are Smoltzy. Uh, no, I'm not comping him to Maddox. I'm just saying we're talking about control. Um, anyway, I'm adding him wherever I can right now. He's a no-brainer in 15-team leagues. And in 12-teamers, you would have to have a pretty fantastic staff, I think, to not be taking a chance on Bieber at the back end of your rotation. So, anyway, I know I missed out on him in uh, the waiver run for the Fantasy Baseball Invitational tonight. I was very bummed out. Anyway, all right, one last thing. Um, when Brian gets back, we're going to start this new thing that we call Grade the Trade. And I was going to throw out one of mine recently tonight for the the test uh, test subject. Um, Brian's not here to pass judgment, but I just want to introduce that this is something that we're going to do. We're actually going to start putting out a mailbag as well, probably early in the week. And uh, hopefully on that and Twitter submissions and comments, we can get some trades from you guys. And we would love to grade your trades. Um, so I made one maybe a week ago. And I'm going to say it out loud, and then we'll let Brian grade it whenever he comes back. You can feel free to grade it uh, on Twitter, uh, at HeathCaps, or at DoubleSwitchPod, or at Fake Teams. Just grade the trade. Or if you're reading the post that we put up, comment on the post. Uh, but here's the trade. So I gave Juan Soto. I know it's a, it's a tragedy. It's a travesty. Um, blasphemy, if you will especially if you're a Nationals fan. Anyway, I traded Juan Soto for Athletics closer, Blake Trinan. Uh, I was, I don't want to say I was desperate for saves, but I was definitely taking the L every week almost in saves. Um, I had Familia with the Mets, and he was on the DL, and I had Boxberger finally like kind of stumbling a little bit, and the waiver landscape for saves was bone dry, so... Looking at my outfield where I had a surplus, I figured I would trade the buzzy name, and uh, that's what I did. I'm very happy with it. Uh, I still in the outfield am left with Ozuna and Tommy Pham, Lorenzo Kane, Justin Upton, Odubel Herrera, and Ender Enciarte. So I legitimately have six guys that I feel very good about. And, uh, you know, if Justin Upton's ice cold, Normally, I've been playing Odubel. Uh, normally, Enciarte is on my bench, but uh, I had a lot of depth there. Definitely dealt from a position of strength and addressed a weakness, and I'd love to know what you think. And I'll probably leave it at that. I think uh, next time we'll talk a little bit about Greg Bird, and uh, I'm just, I'm just going to leave the teaser there. We'll, I will say about Greg Bird that it surprised me that I found things that made me want to buy in, namely a 60% pull rate and 41% hard contact rate. That's some pretty awesome stuff in Yankee Stadium, seeing as how that's the easiest park to pull the ball in. So, you know, for a home run. So I, I don't know. It surprised me. That's my that's my kind of little float it, leave it there as the last thought. Greg Bird, 
hopefully you haven't been banking on him all year because he's been a no-show. But if you got the bench room, you know, I know that's kind of cheap fantasy talk advice. But uh, if you got the space, I think you definitely take a shot on him. I was banking on Josh Bell in uh, the great fantasy baseball invitational. After looking into Greg Bird a little bit more, I think that's a flip that I would make. Um, you know, Bell's been kind of a no-show as well. So, anyway, wanted to throw that out there about Greg Bird. If you're a Greg Bird owner, I don't think all hope is lost. Um, he's a lefty bat, too. And other than Gregorius, you know, the ghost of Brett Gardner, that's that's about all they have from the left-handed side. So, uh, anyway, if I had Bird, which I don't, but if I did, I would hold him. And that surprised me. So, just wanted to throw it out there. Hope everybody's having a good night or a nice ride into work. And hopefully in the next pod, you listen to myself and Brian Cray have some good uh, back and forth and not just my my voice, which is probably kind of boring. So I'm going to peace out, drive safe, and uh, we'll see you guys next time.